I'm so happy that you're here. Happy New Year. Isn't God so good to us? He's faithful. He's letting us be alive to see this day. And now we get to start a whole new year with the Lord. 2018, I'm going to be crispy and clean. How about you, man? You know what I mean? Come on, 2018. It's time to get it in. But here's one of the awesome things I love to do as a pastor is once a year, I go through all that we did in the year prior. So today, let's go back over 2017 and see all that God did. God did such an amazing work in this church and in our lives, and I'm so thankful for each one of you. So let me just say this. If I don't get a chance to say it to you today personally, thank you for being a part of this church. Thank you for your gifts, your your service, your heart of uh, just being humble to serve. That means so much to my wife and I. By the way, this is on our website, and it's also on the app, so you guys can see it. Another thing you can know about us is that there's never anything hidden in our church. You can ask for a printout of our finances at any time. On the website right now, I have the QuickBooks printout. You can see where every dollar was spent, every single dollar. And at any time, if you want to do that, you can ask us to print it out, and we'll give it to you because that's what a non-for-profit should do. Amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? amen? We have no problem printing out our books and giving them to you at any time on your request, and the year books are there right now. So let's get started looking at what God did. In our church, you know, discipleship is the most important thing, and so for us, what we want to do is we want to start with the discipleship and see what God did. So we averaged this year, 2017, 153 disciples. Give it up for Jesus. What is amazing here is that in the last month, we had a record-setting month with 166 disciples. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. Y'all better not get tired of clapping today. We need to give it up for Jesus. You guys worked hard. Don't say your pastor doesn't say thank you for all that you do. And if you look at the blue, you see the elders. If you look at the red, you see the deacons and the green, the 201. And then the purple, you see the 101. What a record-setting month. You're right at the end of the year, uh, 80 101ers. That means that 80 of you have taken that first step in your spiritual growth, and we just applaud you for that. Amen. Praise God for you doing that. And we never want to take it for granted. Here's our attendance. We average 242 people. Give it up for Jesus. You can see 2016 in the blue, 2017 in the red. Uh, you see a little difference between the red and the blue, the little mountaintops there. That's because Easter fell on a different month uh, between the two years. In 2016, Easter fell in March, and then the 17th it fell in April. But I want you to notice something. This is what I really take serious right here, is if you look at the peak right here of, uh, or excuse me, right here of 2016, that was our peak month, our Easter month, you look at, then we average that all throughout the summer. So what was once a high became the average. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So here it is in summary. We're up 5% in discipleship from 146 and 16 to 153 and 17. That's seven new ones. And what's awesome is we grew 16% in this category of elders and deacons. We had a great year of graduation. We take that serious. Our attendance went up 8%. How many would like an 8% raise this year? Come on, somebody. Don't get quiet on me now. From 226 and 16 to 242 in 2017, that's 16 new people. And then over 
overall, we're 90% disciples. That means 90 of you, 90%, 9 out of 10, have taken on the responsibility. Can I hear God is faithful? Amen. We're doing this together. Now, what makes us rock stars in this church is life groups. Everybody say life groups. Life groups is what happens all throughout the week. We started with 10. We ended with 13. And when you hear your life group, please feel free to make some noise, okay? Uh, marriage life group had a high of 36 with an average of 26. Single moms, a high of 18 with an average of 14. Tuesday resistance, high of 37 with an average of 19. Tuesday encounter, high of 62 with an average of 43. The Wednesday Kings kids had a 251-person Christmas party. That's at a record high. And an average of 75 with our children coming out every Wednesday. Bring the kids out. Amen. Tuesday gang outreach, a high of 10, average of 6. Friday Govea's high of 37, average of 22. That 37 was right at the end of the year. Vivid's Bible study, high of 26, average of 14. Saturday Ambassadors Elevate Youth Group, high of 13, average of 11. Saturday Evangelism, Bodequa Fest set the record, 141 evangelists, averaging 16. We added three new ones this year. The Family Life Group had a high of 62 for Halloween, averaging 30, and they're going out today. The Fuego Espanol Estudia Biblia had a high of 29 of an average of 13. And the Saturday Elevate Conquerors, a high of 22, an average of 16. Listen, I'm not talking putting the highs together. If I put the highs together, that's close to 1,000. The average this year a month in life groups was 300. And five. Come on, somebody. Y'all must not like clapping for yourselves. You need to clap for yourself. Come on. And we clap for God, obviously. But it's all about you guys. God used you to do a great work this year. And if you just came in towards the end of the year, welcome. Join with us. God's doing great things. We averaged last year 233 people in our life groups. This year, 305. That's up by 72 people, 31% growth. The variety of the life groups, if you haven't joined one, we encourage you to do so, is all ages from infant to adult, gangs to marriage, weekly to monthly. And when you look at the overall, you know, 242 in attendance, 305 in life groups, that's 126 percent participation. That means we have more people going to life groups than we do to the church. Two reasons for that. People can go to more than one, so sometimes there's doubles, but there's many people, the parents bringing their children on Wednesdays, youth on Fridays, uh, visitors to the adult Bible studies that yet don't come to the church. So these outreaches, these life groups are acting as outreaches. Can somebody say, God is good? Amen. And so here's some ministry highlights. Two SUM Bible College graduates, Jose Riasco and Steve Ramos. Let's give it up for them. Amen. And let me just say that two is a lot. And this year, we tied our highest enrollment of around 15. Graduating SUM students is like having a million dollars, okay? I mean, this is, this is rare. This is, these are gems. These are what we would call the Navy SEALs. I know churches that have been around for years don't graduate one into the ministry. We have multiple ones each year, and they take different tracks. So I'm very, very excited about that. Eight new ordained, ordained deacons. Amen. Some of them are here today. Alex and Maria, we love you guys. And a record-setting year of baptisms, 46 baptisms, one in the winter and in the, the spring. Thank you, Jesus. Can I hear a thank you, Jesus? Come on, now let's get to the shekels. We brought in $273,645.41. Make some noise. I'll get you shouting praise the Lord. 
That's 35,000 more, a 15% increase from last year. Come on, somebody, you made that happen. Now, let me just pause here and just take a little moment to tell you what that means, okay? First of all, what that means for my wife and I, we have... We were allotted at day one when we started the church, 50000 apiece. We have never brought it in. We've never brought in our full amount of salary. We're working our way towards there. This year, we only brought in 81000 And uh, you'll know why I didn't take the full 100 this year. I put a lot into savings. But here's what I want you to know what it means for us. Number one, my wife and I have made a living from the church. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can look at the books. You can see where it went. It went into our life. It went into, you can literally look at it, 40000 basically in cash that we could spend, 40000 to where we live, 80000 81 to round it, to make, uh, 80 to round it, 81 to be exact. Thank you. Okay, now some of you who think that that's too much for a pastor to make, then go, work, uh, go to a church where you think the pastor is worth only 10000 or 20000 okay? Then you go do that. That's okay. But here we believe not only myself, but the pastors, plural, are worthy of a living. And so my wife and I are setting the standard and we want to start hiring in the years to come, starting with this year, more staff. Can I hear an amen for that? And then the other thing that I want to say is what it means is everything we get to do with that money. I'm going to put a lot of things on the board that we get to do, whether it's in missions or whether it's with the community. All of it's debt-free. All of it's paid in full. And none of it is with any fundraisers. We never do any fundraisers. All we do is ask the people to give. So I want to say to each and every one of you, thank you for providing for my wife and I. Thank you for providing for the church. When we gave away those Christmas presents, 251 people showed up. That was F. R-E-E free and paid by you guys. Because when things are free, they cost something to somebody. Amen? Can I hear that, Chicagoans? Things don't come for free without it costing somebody something. Taxes! Hello, y'all know about that, right? Okay, so here's the deal. Y'all give stuff away free because you work hard. Thank you. Now, here's the other thing that I want to say. Some of you look at a 35,000 increase, 15% up, uh, you know, up, upwards from last year, and some of you are tempted to get jelly. But I want to tell you, don't hate celebrate, because if you celebrate, God will elevate your life. I started from nothing. My wife and I had to work jobs. She worked at the bank. I had to teach at Bible college. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment. We started from the bottom. Now we're here. Amen? And I want to tell you what. You can start from the bottom and be here too, so stop hating. Now, I grew up in a Christian family where my parents were not in the ministry, not paid for ministry. They just served, and I always knew them as Christians. They weren't born Christians, but they had to be born-again Christians, right? But I watched my dad, whether his business was doing good, whether his business was doing bad, whether my mom had had a lot or had a little. They were always faithful to their tithes and offerings, and I watched God bless them more in their last years than he ever did in their entire life because he saved the best for last for them. I watched my dad shut down a business but not give up his tithe, not give up his offering. He served the Lord. So here's what I want to say. For those of you who have had a wonderful year and you're setting your goals, you're achieving great things, thank you for sharing your successes with us. Thank you for taking the church with you on that journey because as you gave your tithe, that increased with us because as you went from making a few dollars, by the way, let me say this, a lot of the elders that you guys see around here, a lot of the rock stars, I remember when they were working part-time jobs. I remember Ricky, one of our star elders, before he was a police officer, I remember him working in, was it the container store? Get a container store. See, these men that you now see, the Lopez's here that now own homes, work in construction companies, you know, got bank. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody say they blessed. They blessed. You know, y'all, y'all want to be blessed. We got a lot of young adults here. Good to look up to people like that, right? But here's the deal. I knew them when they had part-time jobs. I knew when they, when they were taking the bus or driving a beat-down car, but they were faithful. 
They were faithful to honor God, and now they're being fruitful. So thank you for those that are like them, sharing their successes with us and not being too busy and going out to the, the ski slopes or to the lake in the summer, but coming to church. Thank you for sharing that. And then I want to say thank you for sharing your troubles with us. Those of you who have said, hey, it, it wasn't a good year. This, this $10 tithe was, was a lot to me because I only made $100 that week, and I could have used that for something else. Thank you for doing that because you know what? You're putting God first. And what does this serve as a sign? What does this do for you? It serves as a signpost. See, my, my wife and I and our kids, we're going to be driving to New Orleans pretty soon in February, and we're going to see the signs that say New Orleans. How many like when you see the signs of the city you're getting to? It's like, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. It goes 600 miles, 400 miles. You know you're getting closer. Some of you may not be where you want to be right now, but if you're on the right track, you'll see the signs that you're getting closer. You're getting closer to where you're supposed to be. I was a bachelor to the rapture for 10 years. All my friends were getting married. All of them were having their homes and their cars. I was just a, a little lowly storefront preacher. Are you listening? But I stayed true to what God told me to do because I knew I was on the right path, and I could see the signs coming. So I could see that God was blessing, and so I got a part of what he was blessing, and I sowed my seed. And now I'm a pastor, and I can say that same principle to you. In good times or in bad times, sow your seed. And God will bless you and meet your need. Come on, sow your seed, and God will bless you and meet your need. A farmer cannot expect to reap a harvest he or she has not sown. You cannot expect God to bless your life when you're not sowing seeds into his kingdom. Let me say this to you clearly. Let me say it to you very clearly. You can have money without coming to church. You can have money without being a Christian. But that money will be like a hole in your soul. It will not satisfy you. You will wonder why you're on your second and third marriage. My friends right now are already on their second and third marriages, 40 years old. They're already on them. Hey, you all listening to me? They're already on their second and third marriage. They've already been in and out the, uh, the alcohol clinic. They've already had to deal with their kids getting on drugs. And I'm going to tell you what, because their money couldn't save their soul, couldn't save their family, couldn't save them from problems. A lot of you young adults have bosses that need to be in this church right now because they're losing their marriage and they're losing their kids and those little vacations that they're taking to flaunt in front of you, they're not telling you to have. They're crying when they're going to bed at night. I'm telling you the truth about some of these people. They won't look at you and tell you, but I know the business owners. I know what they're going through. I know what my neighbors are going through. And they'll put that on Facebook. Look at me here taking my vacation in Cancun. Look at me over here. But they're not telling you what's going on. I could tell you story after story that would just blow your mind, okay? Don't try to keep up with the Kardashians. Keep up with the kingdom. Keep up with the kingdom. Somebody tweet that. Y'all ready to see how we spent it? It was good, okay? 16000 we raised for a new shed projector and ministry truck. $11,850 went to missions abroad. We gave to Africa. We gave to the underground church. We bought a printer for Pakistan to produce our books in their nation. We gave $16,786 away. We only raised 11000 but we gave away an additional 5000 to the community to love people with the gospel. That's $3,600 more than we did last year, up by 28%. Thank you for making that happen because when we give to people to help them with their rent or when we give them bus fare or things like that, that is because you have given in the church, okay? Now, here's what it looks like in our savings. Now, this is why I brought up to you my salary, and you can see it on the breakdown of the QuickBooks. Could have taken in 100, but only took in 81. Now, some of you would be like, man, Pastor, come on, man, you got it easy. Why are you telling us about this? Listen, if you had the chance to make 100 this year from your job? Would you say, no, nah, just stop at 81? No. See, come on, let's keep it real. 
See, some of y'all are like, man, that's a lot of money for a pastor. But I could have made 100 but I gave some back. Why? Why do I tell you that? Because I want you to know there's never anything up our sleeve. I'm not here to manipulate you. When you give to the church, you have to give the people to use it for God's glory. So my wife and I, as any entrepreneur would do, we said we could spend it on ourselves, but maybe we don't need it now. Maybe the church needs it more. So we took that extra shekels and put it towards our savings. So look at these things. $7,000 in savings. 4000 designated towards Philippines, which we raised three years ago, and we're waiting to go back on a trip. $1,793 for the truck and $1,200 for general missions. That $1,200 is ready anytime. We need to give like we did to Puerto Rico or to the places that need us. We just take it right out of our general missions. And whenever you give, it goes in there. The building fund was cleared out because we bought the truck. I took the 1811 from from there, put it directly into our account so it can be spent the moment that truck stops being a refrigerator and that freezing cold and is ready for our renovations. So if you just put the 1800 that's in the general account, the 1700 that's in our missions account, we got 3600 to renovate that truck. And the general sale. Savings, which we got in the savings. Somebody say bank. What we got in the bank is $26,007.82 for a total of $33,010.88. I bet you didn't think we were rolling like that when we came, you came into this church. You know why? Because we're humble. We keep the church looking nice. We take care of everything. We take care of our people, but we're wise. You know some people in the hood drive Lexuses. Are you listening to me? They don't, they don't put it in the right place. Some people that don't have a car got $300 shoes on. I wear Skechers, people. Are you listening to me? See, you got to know where to put your bank. You got to put your bank in savings. Why do I want so much in savings? Because we don't own this building. And if anything were to change with this landlord, we got to be ready to roll. And I don't want to be desperate. I want to have at least 75 to 100 in the bank. Because when it comes to real estate, 100 G's ain't nothing, people. Just on the other side of this brick right here is the same amount of storefronts going that way that the community center bought up and renovated. You want to know what that project costs? Cost them about 300 to buy the storefronts and another 750 almost 800 to renovate it, to put in the, the sprinklers, the things that you need to have, because this is an older building, to put it all up to the newer specs, over or, or right about a million-dollar project right here. Somebody say Millie. A million, million dollars right there. So we cannot be in a place where if something happens with this landlord or things change, where we don't know where to have church. I want us to be confident because there was a time back when the recession hit, we weren't ready for people to start losing their jobs. Can I get an amen-ish? We weren't ready for the things to go down. That's why we want that savings. And so can I just say again, signpost for your life. Look at what we're doing. We're saving hard, pulling back, okay? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you... you you say, man, I could use a new dress. I could use shoes. But you look at your kids and go like, no, they need it more. Or you look at it and say, no, I can hold off, but I'm going to put it in savings because I need it here if my car breaks down so I don't have to go back to catching the bus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So here were our goals. Let's see how good we did. 2017. This is a win for everybody. Our goal was to hit 168 disciples. We hit 166 right at December, only off by two. So let me tell you right now, if y'all ain't in discipleship, join with us right now. Hit that goal, baby. Come on. Only off by a month right there. We wanted to average 250 in attendance, but we averaged 242 only off by eight. Everybody go, oh, but we're going to hit that goal, right? 
We're going to hit that goal. We wanted to build a new storage. We wanted to get the studio equipment for the songs that we're writing, projected. That was all done. Plus, we raised 11000 for our new ministry truck that's going to have a stage to drop down to go into the parks and do gospel outreach. Here it was. Now, watch this. Our goal was to raise 10000 We only had 7300 at the beginning of the year. So our goal was to raise ten, so that we would have seventeen in savings. We ended up raising a total of 26000 when $8,700 over the budget. Somebody say, done. Now, I'm not trying to make this a big deal, but I'm just, guys, letting you know. See, that's wisdom right there. We could have put that into our salary, but I said, you know what? I want to put it back into that savings. I'm going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing for savings. And that is our goal is to now, this year, for my wife and I, like never before, to make 50K apiece, be done with our salary, start adding on the other salaries with the bennies. Somebody say bennies. Add those benefits and then hit these new goals right here. These are the goals for 2018, $175 five disciples. If you believe we can do it, somebody say amen. Amen. 18 life groups. Let's add five life groups this year into the communities. I know about two or three coming from Spanish, about two or three coming from the youth, about two or three coming from Steve and some of the other adult life groups. Come on. Let's have 300 in attendance. How many want to hit 300? Amen. All we got to do right here, all we got to do, this is, this is going to be to, in, the, in the second service here. It's probably right around with our kids, right around 130 or whatever. All we got to do is just fill up these side sections. That's 150 and do it in the first service. Done. Boom. Then maybe we'll consider going to another service, going to another campus, dropping it like it's hot. But we got to hit this 300. Somebody say, let's do it. And let me just tell you why this matters in case you don't know. But you know why we want to grow in disciples? Because Jesus said to make disciples. Why do we want to do more life groups? Because our communities, dear God, need life, don't they? They need life. And why do we want 300 people here? Because this church will change their lives. God has changed people's lives here. You are a testimony to that. Let's do that with more. And then I want to add another 12,000 to the savings so that we can have a total of 38,000. If you believe we can do it, can I hear an amen? And then here's the goal, baby. Some pastors would be happy with one of these campuses. I want 50 of them. We want to build a church of 100,000 disciples. We want to be the largest church in America. We want to show the world what the church should look like, a church built on disciples, not shucking and jiving, not manipulating, but a church of disciples that connect, mentor, and send. And we want to put 50 campuses, 50 campuses with 2,000 people apiece in this city. We want to give the Catholics a run for their money. Are you listening? I want our campus to have the sanctuary, obviously, the Bible college, the K-12 through school, the gym and the recreational center, and the community service, along with all of the things the school needs and the parks there. We can do this. If St. Viators can do it, we can do it. If St. Pascal can do it, I drive around, all I see is Catholic churches built like this right here. If these Catholic churches can do it, we can do it in Jesus' name. And we're going to do it for the glory of God. Now, now I just want you to ask yourself this question, right? Because we're giving out the end of the year giving reports. Were you faithful to give God your tithe? Not Joe, but God your tithe. See, I tithe to the church. You all know that I tithe and I give missions offerings, okay? Were you faithful? Because we're giving out your reports. Look at it and just be honest, okay? If you have questions, we'll, we'll uh, have you talk to our administrators. They're here today, uh, Griselda and Lauren and my wife right here. She can raise her hand, please. Um, and so if you have any questions about your giving report, you know, let us know. But look at that. Did you give 10%? If not, do it. Be honest and be real with God. And then number two, I just double dog dare you to do what Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. 
I'm just looking around at people. Come on, some elders nodding their heads, some people that have shared life with us. Hasn't always been easy. Some years weren't the best years, but they can tell you God blessed them, provided for them, gave them wealth, and added no sorrow to it, as the Bible says. And so we seek first God's kingdom. You're going to go to church somewhere on a Sunday. Why not go to a church that's going to teach you how to be a disciple that will make disciples of the nations? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this year. All that you did. Gracias, Señor. Uh, Lord, we are just so honored that we played a part in what your kingdom is. You didn't have to use us. You could have just had angels come down and do all the work, but you chose men and women and children and our families to do it. And we're just thankful. Thank you for the youth group and the over 50 teenagers that came out Friday and the Bible studies and the King's kids and the life groups that we'll meet today and all the leaders that serve in the nursery like on Sunday, God, or shovel when we got snow in the front. Renovate things, God. Keep things clean for us, God. Just all the staff, Lord, and the administration that happens behind the scenes. And, Lord, every person here that gives, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending us, this wonderful church, and we ask you now to bless each one of us. And whoever's struggling this year, Lord, may they be faithful. May they not grow weary and well, doing well, because in due time, they will reap a harvest if they don't faint. Thank you, Lord, for those who are having success, Lord, hitting new goals, buying new homes, cars, uh, uh, seeing their children have uh, the life that they never had. Lord, I thank you for them. Continue to bless them. May they never forget you in the good days, God. May they never stop putting you first. And, Lord, may we see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we give it up one more time for Jesus? It's all for him. It's all for God. You're a part of that. Thank you. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We're going to learn today about living worthy. Everybody say living worthy. Thank you. This whole entire year, if you want to know what I'm talking about, I'm going to be talking about the book of Ephesians. It's called the In Him series because that's what Jesus taught us through Paul is that we are in Him, in His presence by the Holy Spirit, meant to live a life of fulfillment. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and onward. Paul says, as the prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Can we read that together? One, two, three. As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Thank you. Let's continue on. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now listen to this doctrinal, this doctrinal creed. This is a pre-written uh, down creed that predates all of the churches, Roman Catholic Church, the, uh, the Orthodox Church, our church. This is a creed found in the Bible, very similar to the one we recited today. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can God's people say amen? Amen. Let's work our way backwards. Let's start with that creed. I'll be taking time to go over in the next few weeks. But this creed shows us the Trinity, the church, our baptism, and the faith that saves us. It was all right there. Did you catch it? There's one body. That's the church. Though there's many locations of the church of Jesus Christ, there's only one body of Christ. We are together with Chicago Tabernacle, New Life Covenant, Resurrection Church, Living Word, uh, Armitage Baptist. Any good church you can think of is a part of the body of Christ. Now go beyond Chicago. Go into all the different cities of America and the nations. There is just one body, one body of Christ, one spirit. 
There's not multiple spirits. We don't believe in demonic spirits. We don't believe in praying to your great-grandma's spirit. There's only one spirit that you need to fill you, and that's the Holy Spirit. You were called to one hope. We all share the same hope. That is, we will go to heaven when the body dies, come back in a resurrected body to rule and reign with Christ, and forever be with the Lord. Because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, we defeat death, hell, and the grave. That is our hope. We are saved from death. We have one Lord. Our Lord is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have one faith. We do not have multiple faiths. Though we can work together with Muslims, Hindus to see common good come to our community, that is for sure something we can do. We do not share the same faith with them. It is only one faith in the one Lord, Jesus Christ. We have one baptism. The baptismal formula is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the initiation into the church. You're saved by faith, but you're initiated into the church this body of Christ by baptism. There is one God and Father of all. Now you've seen the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Do not get this confused when you hear God is the Father and Jesus is Lord to think that Lord does not mean God as well. In the Shema, the Old Testament, which the Jewish people said morning and night, when they woke up and when they went to bed in Deuteronomy 6.4, they said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. The Lord who is thy God, is one. Paul and the New Testament Christians made use of that creed and now added the terminology, God referring to the Father, Lord referring to Jesus. The Old Testament name for Lord is Yahweh. Yahweh is 100% divine. He is God. In the Old Testament, God, the Father, is known as such. The Spirit is God. Now, we don't have three gods, nor do we have one God in three parts. We have three persons who equally share the nature of God. In one sense, you could think of Godhood as a bank account, and they all share it completely and have 100% ownership of it. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. There are not three gods, but one God. Are you listening? And the creed teaches us, as I said before, our Lord, our Yahweh, our Savior is Jesus, and our Father God is Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So that's how we understand the Trinity. Now notice this, God is over all, he's through all, and he's in all. God literally sustains the creation. But it's not pantheistic. Pantheism, like Hinduism and Buddhism believes, that God is the creation. God's the table, God is you, and all of that. That's not true. God is in you, sustaining you as his energy, but he is not in you personally by his presence until you are born again. So think of the sun. The sun has rays. The rays are the energy of the sun, but the rays come forth and are separate from the sun, okay? So God's energy in creation is separate from his actual essence, but his energy sustains the entire world. His essence, his person, the sun, does not come to live in you until you are born again. But he is in all, sustaining us by his energy. Was that good for you guys? Amen. Now let's work our way back up. Paul's in prison. This is the second time he's told us that as he's written this book to the people of Ephesus. They are Gentiles who have given their heart to the Lord, and this book was written to them to understand Christianity. He starts off by telling them, you guys are saints. You're called to live holy. God chose you before the earth began, blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and you're saved by grace, not by works, lest you should boast. You're the workmanship of God. And then he explains to them why there's two categories of what we've known as humans, the Jews and the Gentiles, but he says, no, we're not 
not looking at it like that now in Christ. Now there's a new humanity, a new human race that's neither Jew nor Gentile, but Christian disciples of Christ. How many are disciples of Christ? Okay? And then he said that was the purpose for him bringing Jesus to bring these two groups together, Jew and Gentile, to start a new humanity. And then he prayed at the end of chapter 3 this wonderful prayer that we would all know and experience the love of God that's beyond anything we could ask or imagine. We can't know the width, the length, the depth, or the height. And so he says, as that prisoner, I'm now urging you, because he's in prison for preaching the gospel. Let's just pause right here. A lot of preachers preaching to get rich. Paul preached and got poor. See, I'll preach whether you give money or not. Are you listening? Paul got persecuted. Some people go to church to have God bless them and to get all these things, but those things were all taken from Paul as he became a Christian. Would you serve God if it cost you something? Let me just stop right there and ask you that. If it cost you your house, would you still serve God? That's why one of the places we support with your mission dollars is, um, uh, the name just slipped my mind, Open Door. The Open Door supports the persecuted Christians around the world, and you can go to their website and check it out, or I'll give you a bracelet for free to remind you to pray for them. See, that costs them their family. It costs them their job. Now, do I believe we can be blessed and be Christians? Amen. But sometimes it may cost you something. Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Jesus, for the Lord, and now I urge you to live a life that's worthy of the calling you received. Now, next week, come back. I'm going to teach you about being completely humble. Somebody say, not partially humble. Somebody say, completely humble. We're going to learn about that, being completely humble, gentle, patient, and bearing each other uh, with each other in love and keeping the bond of the Spirit. But today, what I want to talk to you about here is your calling. Somebody say, my calling. My calling. If you don't know it, let me remind you of it right now. Number one, you were called to be born again. Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's that spiritual rebirth that happens when you put your faith in Jesus. You can no more make yourself a new creation than you can make yourself a bird and fly out of this room today. Jesus has to make you a new creation. He does that by faith, not by your works. And then once you're born again, you're called to be a disciple. How many disciples do I have here? Amen. Thank you. And then in the church, we have a discipleship process, don't we, to teach you those things that Jesus told us to teach his people. Then as a disciple of Christ, you're called to live holy. Somebody say, I'm holy. To live holy. So when God gave you a new life and you were born again, were you born again a sinner? No, you were born again a saint. Now, somebody might say, well, I ain't holy. Well, then here's the problem. You're a saint or an ain't. Which one are you? If you keep saying what you ain't, then probably you ain't one then. I get it. But you need to get born again to become a saint. Stop making excuses. I was made holy at rebirth to live holy. What comes first, my child's birth or me teaching him how to read and write? What comes first? Do I teach him how to read and write or does he need to be born first? The child has to be born first, right? So what happens? Do we teach sinners to keep commands or we teach sinners to be born again? You teach sinners to be born again. Then you teach born again people commands. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them. Who am I teaching them? The disciples we've baptized, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So we teach the disciple everything Jesus commanded. I can't teach the sinner. The sinner's no more capable of keeping God's command than you're capable of being a fish and being underwater for an hour. Can you be underwater unassisted right now for an hour? Then good luck having a sinner keep their commands of God. They say, well, I'm, I'm a self-made man. I make myself better. No, you're a self-made mess. You're just looking at yourself the wrong way. You're comparing yourself to Hitler. Compare yourself to Jesus and see how good you're doing on your self-help program. 
You need Jesus. Jesus' blood and righteousness is what changes you. Okay? That's how we live holy. You're called to that. Number three, as saints of God, those who have, whoa, those who have been born again, though, <laughs> that's my wife over there, by the way. I thought maybe we're having a little issue, but we'll keep an eye on her. <laughs> it's been real. After all those shootings in the churches, we took a lot of training, by the way. That's a whole other discussion. They don't want to do that here. Let's just put it that way. Amen. But let me just say this. The saints of God are called to be filled with the gifts of the Spirit. And so once you are saved and sanctified, as we said, made holy, you're to be filled with the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Amen. And so the Holy Spirit's there to give you the gifts. If you don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, doing what uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, and knowing the things of God and His Spirit, you can, be re- you can be baptized today in the Holy Spirit. God will do that for you. Uh, but it's not something you earn. It's a gift. It's, it's already given to you actually now. It's just a matter of you receiving it and letting the Holy Spirit flow through you. And then the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God in you. Love, joy, peace, patience. How many have heard those before? Go back and read the passage. If you haven't, it's very encouraging to know that's already in you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? Okay, did the Holy Spirit come with his gifts or did he come with nothing? The Holy Spirit's like, I ain't got nothing for you. Sorry. You, you got something to eat. I ain't got no money. You know, you got the Uber fare home because I don't even know how to get I'm going to get home. No, is that the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit comes and he goes, I got gifts. I got power to put inside of you. And then you say, Holy Spirit, but I got an attitude. He goes, but I got a new attitude for you. I got a new one for you. How how about this? Try on love. Try on peace. Try on joy. Amen. Patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control already given to you. This is the calling God gave us, and he was talking to them. He said, you already received it. I want you to look back and notice the tense. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you are receiving, the calling you're looking forward to receive. No, the calling you have Received, E-D, means past tense, right? So I already got it. If I'm like the people of Ephesus that he's writing to here, I already got my calling. I've already received it. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But here's how Paul summarized it because it's the same author. He's not going to contradict himself. Look at what he said in the chapter prior. In chapter 2, verse 10, he said, For we are God's what? handiwork or masterpiece created, once again, past tense, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So does God have good works for us to do? Yes, but I'm not saved by those good works. I'm saved to do the good works. So here's good news for every one of you who doesn't think you can keep your New Year's resolutions. Let God keep them in you today. Let God do the work. Now you say, Pastor, that sounds too easy. God's not going to move my hand, take the fork out of my mouth. What's God really going to do? No, here's, here's what God's going to do. When you seek his kingdom and you put your focus on him, he's going to give you the inner strength, the self-control that you need. Because that's a fruit of the spirit of self-control. I lost 70 pounds through the gift of self-control. 70 pounds. Three years ago, I lost those weights. Some of you have never known a big pastor. But I used to be a big one. I was a big boy. I'm serious. Sometimes when we look back on the past, it's like, well, you know, serious? I was a big one. But some of y'all ain't no skinny pastor, and that's okay. But I had to lose 70 pounds with the self-control. Now, once again, somebody could say, well, I could do some of these things without God. But I'm telling you, you'll see your limits. You'll see what you can't do, and it will frustrate you. Because God has said, I will do it in you. 
I will change your attitude. I will break the habit of smoking, overeating, those things. God said he did that on the cross. When he breathed his last breath, right before he did, he said, it is finished. Your weight loss program is already finished in God's mind. Are you listening? Your freedom from smoking and drinking, finished in God's mind. Uh, the ability to save money and not waste it on things, finished. It is finished. Let God work in you that which he prepared for you to do. Can I hear an amen? Let God work in you that which he has prepared you to do. That's what it means to live like Jesus in this world. So I don't have the ability to go through this part of the message, but we'll do that next week. But I want you to give, uh, have you give me your attention, please. As I ask one of my daughters to come, is, is Hannah here? They're in the back? Okay, I'm going to ask one of my spiritual kids to come. Who's one of my spiritual chillings? Let's get Joe B to come. Let's give it up for Joe B as he comes. I want, I want everybody to get the revy of this. Somebody say it's a heavy revy. Come stand over here, good sir. Thank you. I'm proud of this guy right here. Doing good, man. Okay, check this out. Let's pretend this is my child, okay? He is not, but let's pretend he is, okay? When he turned 16, because he's older than 16 now, when he would have turned 16 in my house, this is what he would have gotten day one, and all he had to do was receive he would have gotten the keys to my car. Boom. Keys. Done. Now, of course, he would have had to earn it by getting the license, but keys. Done. Then he would get a credit card or a money card just like this with a certain limit on it. There you go, son. Now, watch this. This is what I would say. This money is only for one thing, gas in that car. That's it. Just gas in that car. Now, here's the deal. Go get you a job and go get some money. Go work. There'll be no more allowances. There'll be no more helping out with you buying clothes. None of that. When you turn 16, you can work a job in this country. I started working around 11. Come on, somebody. Pushing that lawnmower for my dad's friends. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. And uh, what they called back then, you know, just working, they would probably call child labor laws on us now. And I'm not even that old, you know. I used to get slapped, too. They would call that abuse. My mom would, I love you, son. I love you to do that. Doesn't feel like you love me. But let's just say right now, this is my son, boom. He received the calling, the calling to now go be great in this world. He's got the car, he's got the money, and he's got my blessing, the training that he's had for 16 years to go out in that world and start to bring home the bacon. And whatever clothes he likes, he can go buy. Whatever car he wants to now get, he can now buy. It's all up to him now. It's on him. Come on, say it's on him. Say it again. It's on him. Now imagine if after I gave him the keys, after I gave him the money, he says back to me, Dad, give me some money. Give me some keys to the car. Would you say that to me? Dad, give me some money. Give me the keys to the car. Okay. Now imagine if he said that to me. I would say, son, are you a little slow? I already gave you the keys to the car. I already gave you the money. Okay, it's already there. This, in, this, is, this is the money, the keys. Let's say it's in his pocket right there. Now, let's say he does it one more time. Say that one more time. Where's the keys? Or can I get the keys, the money? Dad, I want the keys and I want the money. Okay, now at this point, it's not that he's slow because I know he's not slow. At this point, there's something about rebellion now. Now I'm going to be like, son, you're trying to make me mad? 
I've already given it to you. I have explained it to you. What are you not getting now? There has to be an attitude you have or something. It's got to be an attitude here because I've explained it. Now watch. This is what many of you are saying to God. What you are saying to God is bless me. And he is saying, I have already blessed you. And you are saying to God, give me power because I feel weak today and I need, to drink, I need to drink coffee or whatever. And God is saying to you, I've already given you the power. Go to Ephesians 1.3 on the scripture, please. What we're not understanding is if we are like the Ephesians people, we have already received the calling. Now, let me tell you the difference. It's not in the notes on the Bible, please. Thank you. What some of you are thinking Christianity is this. This is what some of you think Christianity is. Son... Before I give you this card, do something worthy of this card. Give me 10 push-ups. That's what you think Christianity is. This is what you think it said when we read it. Walk worthy to get your calling. Live worthy to get your blessings. That is not what it said. Go back to Ephesians 1.3. It says, praise be to the God. There's St. Paul, same, same author here in Ephesians. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who blessed us in the heavenly realms. With how many spiritual blessings? How many? Every spiritual blessing. Where is it? In Christ. See, so what, what many people are thinking is they have to be worthy to get the blessing. And that's not how it works. That's not, you can never be worthy enough to get those blessings. What are you going to do that's going to be worth it? Come on now. You're going to go to school and do something to earn a treasure in heaven? You couldn't even own a gravel bit of gold from the road of heaven doing your entire life of good deeds, let alone the whole thing. And you've got every one of them right now. You've got every one of them right now. And the, here, here's where the example fails because I, as a parent, can't do for him the job, the shekels, and the money he's going to make. I can't do that for him. But guess what God does in this illustration? God goes with him to the job, works his will in his life on the job, gives him wisdom and patience. God gives him safety. God gives them the right companions and friends because the Bible says a companion of fools will suffer harm. Some of y'all got to give people the gift of goodbye in 2018. You got to just say, hey, I love you, but I can't hang out with you like I did every time when we did those things in 17. If you want to see me, come see me at church in 18. That's where we can hang out. Amen. Come see me at this life group. And so one more time with this example, here's the thing that my daughter or my son should say to me. It's not, Dad, keep giving me money. Keep, no, no, you already got it. They should say, Dad, help me to spend it and find a job. Can you say something like that? Help me learn how to spend money and find a job. Yes, sir. I got your back. You see the difference? So I'm going to say, all right, great. You need help find the job to go drive the car to? Okay, great. Let's, let's go look. Okay, Target, Culver's. Okay, there's these places you can go to. Great. Okay, now you're making money. All right, let's do it like this. 10% goes to God. Let's give 5% to missions or offerings. Let's put 10% in savings. Let's get you used to living off 75% because then you're going to have a future with this, right? So I can do that with him. But you know what? He's got to acknowledge his calling. So get this, everybody. This would be my son, whether or not he ever did any of that stuff right. He's my son by default. 
My daughter doesn't have to earn her worth in my house. My children don't have to earn their worth. When we become born again, we don't have to earn our worth to God. He already showed us our worth. When he died on the cross, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we were shown the worth, how much we meant to him by when he gave us his son. Things are valued based on what you're willing to pay for them. You won't pay $100,000 for a little old Ford, but you may do that for a Porsche or a Lamborghini, right? And so what did God value us as? He valued us as the son of God's worth, which is an infinite worth. We're invaluable to God, so amazingly valuable to him. And he gives it to us. And he says, the worth is in Jesus. Your worth is in Jesus. And then he lavishes on us all of these gifts. The Bible says in, in 2 Peter, go to 2 Peter as well, chapter 1, where it says he's given us all things. What is it? Uh, check that verse. I want to give you one last reference here. All things for life and godliness. How many want to live a good life? How many want to be godly? How many know God's given you everything you need? And so, brother, even though I know you've loved holding that card for a little bit, would you mind giving it back? All right, let's give it up for Joe B. Amen. Thank you. You have it. This year is not a year of scrounging and begging. This is a year of recognizing who you are in Christ. This is a year of recognizing the calling that he's put within you. I've been watching these shows on um, interviews. There, uh, there's a show on CNBC, and I would recommend, especially a lot of the young adults here, if you're looking for jobs starting at 30, 40, 50K a year, you guys need to watch this show on CNBC because it shows live interviews. It is for real. And you watch what people do wrong and not get jobs, right? I wish I could ask all of you young adults to watch adults to watch because it'll change your life. It blesses me. But here's one of the things that all these business owners always say is the problem. They lack confidence. They look good on paper, but they lack confidence. They got nervous. They couldn't answer what we were asking them to do. They, they lacked confidence. Do you know what that word means, confidence, in Latin? Confide. Fide. Confide. Faith in. Who are we supposed to have confidence in? A lot of people always want to say, confidence in yourself, confidence in yourself. No, no, no. It doesn't start with you. Confidence in God will empower you. I don't need more willpower. I need more God power. And when I'm confident in God, I can come into that interview going, I know who I am. I know who God has made me to be. I know the gifts that I have. I know what I'm supposed to do if I get brought into this company. So I'm not going to let my nerves ruin this interview. I'm going to come in there, look them in the eye, give them a firm handshake, talk correctly, and give them the right answers so I can accomplish this goal. That's how you come into the world. Okay, look at what Peter said. His divine power has given us some things we need. Is that what it says? No, given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Can I use an illustration here today that would just blow your mind? Some of y'all going to get jelly, but I got to say it like this. We brought into our youth ministry Lawrence to take over the youth group. I said to him, day one, as a youth pastor, you get the car, boom, you got it. He's got the station wagon, he's pimping it out, he's driving youth around, having a great time. I said, you get the church card, you get to use your budget. They can spend upwards of $1,000 a month on youth. Come on, somebody. Free parties, all of these things, FRE, free. Kids ain't never got to bring $5 with them to church, amen? They just come, and we're going to bless them. No, no spaghetti uh, dinners, no car washes. We do it God's way here. Are you listening? Come on, can I hear an Amen. 
And then this other thing, i got to put him on blast right now, but some of y'all better get on him about this. The third thing that I said to him was, we'll get you a new cell phone and put it on the church plan. That was July. He still don't have our phone in church plan. Where's dad at? You still paying for his phone. And I bet you it ain't as good of a phone as we would get him. And I just got to tease him a little bit, but some of y'all jelly, because you know, if I said to you, church going to pay for your phone, church going to do this, boy, you would have been at my house the next day. Let's go to at and I'm going to get the new iPhone. I'm going to get this sparkly, bedazzled case. I'm getting the data, you know, all unlimited data. I'm getting the whole thing. This dude still hasn't taken the opportunity to get his phone. It says you got to have the knowledge of it. Now, this brother knows that he can get it and still hasn't done it. There's two problems I see in the church. Two problems right here. You don't know what God has given you, so you don't know how to get it. That's the first part. You just don't know it. You, you are oblivious to this Bible. That's why, listen, I'm not against sports, but I'm just telling you, they're not going to bless you, but God is. So know these stats more than you know those stats. Right? I'm not against Facebook, but I'm telling you to put your face in this book because Facebook ain't going to get you through that problem that you're going through right now. So some people just don't know. They just don't know what's in the Bible for them. That's why you got to go to these life groups, go to discipleship. And then the second thing is people know but don't do anything about it. I talk to Christians all the time. They go, yeah, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible more. I know I'm supposed to break up with this person. I know, I'm, And they just don't do it as if doing it that way is better. As if God is like, no, stop them angels. This way will be really awesome. And I don't want them to have an awesome life. So keep them going out with this dude. No. Like God is understanding this dude is going to cheat on you. I see it five years down the road. Please break up with them. There's somebody you will meet a year after you break up with them when you're in church crying out to me. But when you're with them, you can't be ready for this person. Are you listening? So you got to know your promises. you got to go through the word and start walking worthy of your calling. Know what you're called to do, and then do it. Do it with God's strength. I hope that this brother sets up an appointment this week to go get his phone. Y'all should ask him. Y'all better ask him next week if he gets his church phone. You better ask him, did you get your phone? Now, guess what? I want to end with some good praise reports because church is people. Somebody say people. You ever done the example, there's the steeple and then here's the people? There's a little thing people do. They teach children. It's all about people. I'm going to ask two special people to come up here and encourage some of the leaders that have made a difference in their life. I'm going to ask Maria to come up. I want to ask that Rachel would come into the sanctuary if she's in the back. And then I want to ask um, Brian to come up. Oh, oh, you're right there. I'm sorry. I didn't know you had a baby. Sorry. <laughs> I made it awkward, but come up, Maria. Thank you. And Brian will go with you in just a moment. Come stand up here. I've asked some of our leaders to share with you what their, their leaders meant to them when they walked worthy of their calling. When you put up the closing statement from the sermon, please, as she shares this, go ahead, Maria. All glory to God. Since we uh, started coming to this church, I met Rachel, and since day one, she showed me the love of God. Um, just loving on me, pouring out her love, her kindness, her gentleness, always leading by example, watching her um, as she follows Christ, you know, just watching her, how she is with her children, how she is with her husband, how she is in her ministry, how she is with others, how she is when she's here worshiping God. 
And it's just so inspiring to me as I watch her. I'm like, wow, you know, I thank God that he put her in my life. I feel blessed to call her a friend, to call her my sister. Not having family here in Chicago, uh, when my husband brought me here to Chicago, you know, she has invited me into her family, into her heart, into her life. And not judging me, always being patient with me, always showing me um, God's love, you know, and that's what has kept me motivated, kept me encouraged. Her words always encouraging me, her texts during the week, hey, Maria, how you doing? You know, and just making a difference in my life as she shines God's light. Um, I'm, I'm able to, to see a godly woman and know what God has for me and where God is leading me as I watch her, following her as she follows Christ. Thank you, and thank you, Rachel. And Maria and Alex are pregnant. Well, Maria is, but Alex did some of the work too. I'm going to ask that Brian would come up with Ishmael, one of our awesome elders. Come on up. You see, when we walk worthy of our calling, we show people the God that's in us. We change lives. This year, I want to believe God for things to happen on your jobs and in your finances as we were talking before. But I want to see lives changed. Ishmael had a great impact on Brian's life. Even let him come live with him for a while. Brian, would you share what this brother did in your life? Yeah, so I've been coming to MPI for about eight years. And that's where I met awesome brother Ish. And um, I think within like my first month of coming to MPI, I think like after a Bible study or something, Ish came up to me and was like, I heard you're living with your girlfriend. You shouldn't do that. He's like, just come live with me. I was like, all right, what the heck? So... I went for it. Uh, I thought it was weird at first. Uh, I just, like, stopped smoking pot, like, a week before he asked me. Um, you know, at the time I was 19, you know, 19, but I was still a boy, you know, in my mentality and the way I carried myself. And Ishmael really helped me mature a lot, you know. Uh, he helped me get my license, you know. He made me cut my hair because I looked like Shaggy from, from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, and it was great, man. It it was very impactful for me living with him. He taught me my identity in Christ, how to be holy, um, just my union with Christ. It was, it was really amazing seeing him as a father, as a husband. Those are things that really went down deep, and I, and I thank you for that. I'm going to take that to my grave. Let's all stand to our feet and give it up for Jesus today. Amen. Isn't God good? Thank you, Jesus. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? Living worthy of our calling shows the world that God is working in us to bring his kingdom through us. How many lives can you impact this year as you do what God's called you to do? I think you can impact more than you can imagine. You'll impact your family, your co-workers. You'll impact your community. Brian and Ishmael were worlds apart in the natural. But God brought them together and made them like brothers. The identity that you have is Christ's identity. You can never be good enough for it. So just receive it. And now live like it. You're a king's kid. You're a king's kid. That's why we call that in the back for our children. King's kids. You belong to the king. You're loved. Everything in the Bible that speaks about his promises is for you. So receive them and give them away. 
Give them away. I want next year at this time, if I were to do a testimony service, to have everyone here to be a part of that. To, to be Ricky. Let's have you stand up and a couple teenagers that you impacted this year. I'm just saying as an example. Let's say, Jackie, you come up and a few teenagers you've impacted. I want to see, see Karina's mom and people she's impacted. I want to see the people that each one of you who have been coming to this church are going to impact. I want to see you impact lives. But first, let's get it in here, okay? So when we pray today, here's how it works. It's real simple. If you haven't been born again, let's get you born again. Accept Christ. Come to Jesus. Those of you who are born again, if you haven't received a calling to be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, gifts of power, receive that. And then those of you who haven't joined discipleship, come up and say, I'm going to start that process so that when you walk out of here, you know you're living worthy of your calling. You're confident, amen? Confide in the Lord. One faith, the faith that saves and changes lives. Father, thank you for this awesome day. Before we go, we ask that everyone will do what you've called us to do. Not to be saved, not to be worthy, but God, so that we might be saved, that we might walk worthy. So God, we don't save ourselves, we just let you save us. We don't change people's lives, we let you change them through our changed lives. Do it now, starting with us, in our families, and everywhere we go, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thanks for coming. We had a great first of the year service. Slap your neighbor high five and say, live worthy. Come on up for prayer if you would like some. Otherwise, worship with us. We'll see you at Life Groups. God bless you.